the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. I thank God that we have a place to worship and praise Him and come together as all believers and giving God glory in one accord and one voice. Amen. Let's praise Him. Here, the 
voice inside the sound of angels all the sound of angels souls and all this for a key we could join and see all to Christ the of us will rise Oh how constant how divine This love of us will rise Will rise Oh praise Him Oh praise Him He is holy
is holy. He 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 is holy. And you are holy. And you are holy. You are holy. Father, you are holy God.
where it's all about you oh it's all about you jesus i'm sorry lord for the thing i made it when it's all about you oh it's all about you jesus i'm coming back to the heart of it's all about you, oh, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, oh, it's all about you, well, Let's make that our prayer this morning. Let's sing it again. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. When it's all about you, oh, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you, oh, it's all about you, Jesus. Oh, it's all about you. Precious Lord, none on the earth or heaven above that I found more beautiful. You are my treasure, my great reward, and I just want to just want to stand in all and pour my love on you no matter how much the cost I freely give it all to you all to you Jesus Jesus my offering all my ambitions, my hopes, my dreams, and here's my life, Lord, a sacrifice, oh, just to bless you, Lord, I just want to move your heart, it's all I want to do, I just want to stand
just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you no matter how much the cost I freely give it all to you
and we exalt thee every we exalt thee as we
worship you. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father, my King, my Lord, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Healer. But most of all, just my God. Spiritual 
says. Now, we're standing here right now in what we call a time of worship. We're singing and we're worshiping the Lord. And that is a part of worship. But Paul says, we're singing a song that says, we worship. Sing, sing that line again. Just one to worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Did you hear that last part? I live to worship you. Now, some people would take that to mean I live to be able just to do this. And you know what? There's going to be a time when we do that, when we get to heaven, right? For a period of time, I mean, we're going to be there. And day and night, night and day, with all the saints, we're going to be singing and worshiping and praising God around the throne. But while we're here on earth, we are called to live a life of worship. That means when we leave, leave out of this building and out of this sanctuary, we go out there. The one who we're worshiping in here is with us when we go out there. And we live in a manner that worships Him, that glorifies Him. He said, that is... He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Oh, we say, Lord, I, I'd lay my life down for you. He says, I don't want you to lay your life down. I want you to live it raised up. I want you to live it out in, in a, a place of darkness. And, and to me, that song is so powerful. I live to worship you. I live my life in a way that it brings worship and glory and honor to you. So let's sing let's sing that chorus one more time again. Come on everybody. You. I live, I live to worship you. To worship you I live. To worship you I live, I live to worship you. Again. Oh, to worship you, I live. Oh, to worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. You, I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you. Oh, yeah. Oh, to worship you. I live to worship you. I live, I live to worship you.
worship you. I live, I live to worship you. Yes, Lord. Lord, let us live our lives in such a way that, God, it's an act of worship before you. Every thought, every word, every deed. Bring glory and honor to your name. For you are the one who is worthy of all majesty, worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor and praise. We worship you, Almighty God. We worship you. Let your praises ring out through the church as your people lift their hands and their voices live out their lives in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ upon our lives. We thank you, Lord. Now, one of the things that we do, we believe strongly in is prayer. I said we believe in prayer. We believe in the act of prayer because it's not just a routine or something like that. God says you have not because you ask not. And he says to ask in his name and that he will do it. How many of you believe those words? How many of you believe Jesus is not lying when he says, I'll do it? Okay. Well, this morning, I have one simple thing I would like us to pray for. This Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, some of you have known for the last few months, on, on Tuesday morning, once a month, we've been opening our church to pastors and prayer leaders from around the Lafayette area, inviting them to come. And it's not about Life Church. It's just, we just, they asked us to host it. And so we, we've opened the doors for them to come to pray for a move of God in the Acadiana area. Come on now. And so I brought up in the last time that we met, I said, we're doing a disservice to many people can't come at 8 o'clock on Tuesday morning. We have a lot of bivocational pastors. We have prayer leaders and, and others in the church who have a heart for prayer. And they have jobs. They have work. They have businesses to run. I said, I think if we're going to tap into what God wants to do, we need to change the time. And so we moved it to this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock doors will open. There'll be no preaching. There'll be no reading of the scripture. And there's no agenda in the prayer. We just come in and, and we'll have music playing. We may have someone playing on the keyboard. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. It's just coming and praying as the Spirit of God moves on our hearts to pray. And so I'm, open, I'm inviting you to come and join us. It's not just for pastors. It's for people who want to see a move, a genuine, mighty move of the Holy Spirit across this area. And you can come and be with us at 7 o'clock. There's no beginning or end. It just takes place. And so I would like to take a moment this morning to pray for that upcoming meeting. Listen, we've been working hard for several months to try and get pastors and 
here's what I've learned is if pastors don't get behind it, their people won't get behind it. But I'm just telling you, we're having a hard time getting pastors to put it on their calendar to come. And they'll say they're coming, and then at the last minute they don't come. We even offered a free meal. And it see us. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, like a burger and shake kind of thing. Nothing wrong with burger and shake. But we, we said, we'll buy you lunch. Meet us there. And, and all but like two canceled on us at the last minute. We need God to work on people's hearts. And, and I'm just telling you, if pastors don't see it and get a burden for it, their people already have it. And they're going to be pushing for it. And so let, can we just pray for this meeting Tuesday that God will bring in those others that have been on the outside and that if we can come together i spoke about it last week in unity and god blesses unity that's not conformity it's unity that we come together with one heart one mind one purpose one lord one baptism one spirit and if we pray god says i will move i will answer your prayers so let's take a few moments to pray for the prayer meeting this Tuesday night, 7 o'clock here at Life Church. Father, we praise you and we thank you that we have the privilege in this nation of coming together and praying. Unlike many countries where they have to hide and they can't pray in the open, Lord God. Father, they still meet together and pray. And we have the privilege of doing it here openly, Lord. God, that you would move upon the hearts of leaders, Lord God, across the Acadiana area, the pastors and staff and prayer warriors, God, and they would catch the vision of, of, of the body of Christ coming together to pray and, and to call upon you and to call into remembrance, God, the promises that you've made towards your people that, God, you desire to move. You desire to move. But you said, ask and you shall receive so father we're going to be coming tuesday night bring them from the north and the south the east and the west bring them let the word get out lord god and let them come with expectation as we begin to beseech the throne of god by the spirit of the lord lord god and father we begin to see walls crumble and divisions fall down and father that your spirit begins to be poured out and it overflows and begins to flood the area, Lord, with the move of your spirit in our churches, Lord, and outside the church into the streets, Lord God. Father, that's what it's all about. It's not blessing those inside the building. It's reaching those outside the building. But God, revival's got to start with those who were once alive. God, revive the church the spirit of prayer to come into your presence and boldly anticipate and expect that God you will hear and you will answer and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus amen amen why don't you just turn and greet someone this morning hallelujah
Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Wake up. Wake up. <laughs> Glad you're here this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're here for the very first time, we just say make yourself at home. Be welcome here at Life Church. Um, and if this is your very first time here, would you just take a moment and on the screen you'll see a phone number there. You can send a text to 337 317 4123. And if you'll just type welcome, you'll, you'll receive a digital card back, a text back that you could take a moment to fill out. And just, it just lets us know who you are. And we're not going to bombard you with text messages and, 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 and advertisements and all that kind of stuff. But we just want to be able to connect with you and welcome you to Life Church and, and help you just find your way through uh, and get to know other people. If you're here as a regular, um, would you just type connect? We want, to, we, we want to be able to connect with you and know that you're here. You know, sometimes it's in our busy world, how many of you know it's easy to all of a sudden you notice somebody's missing? Like there's, there's, there's a couple I've been trying to get a hold of for about four weeks, and, and we didn't have their phone number. And I, I actually went online and paid for a search to get their phone number. And uh, we, we need your phone numbers or a way to connect with you. And so just let us know that you're here, you know. Uh, you can just send connect to that same number. And then if you need prayer, like we have a prayer team. We have people who pray. And if you have a prayer need, you know what? You don't need to go it alone. The Bible says there's power and agreement when we pray together. And so if you text pray to that, that same phone number right there on the screen, you you will get a response immediately back from a member of the team, and they will help pass that prayer request along. We're not going to gossip about it. We're going to pray about it. Come on now. We want to pray about it and, and lift it up before God because God does answer prayer. And so we thank you for that. And um, then just to remind you that in giving, here at, we don't pass a bucket or, or, or bag or basket or anything like that at Life Church, but we believe that in tithing, as the Bible teaches it, it's a, is the tithe, the Bible says, is the Lord's. And we don't give a tithe, we pay a tithe, that's what it says. And then we give in offerings above that. And so we have different ways of doing that. We have boxes on the back wall as you exit the sanctuary. You can put it in an envelope and drop it in there privately. That's your business. We have a, a text-to-give number right there on the screen. We also have a website where you can give. And then uh, we have an, have an app. And, and you can download the Tithely app, and you can fill it out one time. And once it's filled out the first time, then you don't have to fill in all that information again. It's very simple to do. I, that's the way I do mine. I said, I, I just put in there how much is tithes, and then I'll have it. There's a drop-down menu underneath. And if you want to give to missions, you can give to missions. You can specify where it needs to go. If you need to go to, want it to go to um, benevolence, you can give it to benevolence, those who are in need. Um, and how many of you saw the devastation over in Mississippi from those tornadoes? And, and you know what the one thing I saw this morning on every report in the headlines of every article that was online was about the TV reporter who stopped right in the middle, the weatherman who stopped and bowed his head and prayed in Jesus' name. 
He saw what was about to hit a town up in the northeast part of Mississippi. And he was so overcome by what he saw on the screen. He could, you know, how many of you watch those weather things and they, they go, there's a hook here and there's this here and we all look at it and all we see is red and green and who knows what, you know. But he stopped and he looked down. He said, Amory, Mississippi, get ready, get ready. It's, it's, it's already on you. And he said, oh my. And he bowed his head. He said, dear Jesus, help them. Amen. And they cut away. I mean, and that's been in the headline of every news report about it, uh, that, the, that the weatherman dropped, stopped. He was so overcome by what he saw on his screen that we don't understand that we see the devastation afterwards. And um, so anyway, I just, I thank God for people who are not afraid to stop and pray. Amen. I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, stop and pray. Because God says he hears those prayers. Right? Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tiger, you got a quick announcement. I almost forgot, brother. Come on. That's okay. You would have weighed me down, I know. <laughs> Good morning. So last night when I got home, I was at a home group. I looked in the back of my truck, and I saw the most bizarre thing there. I saw a panhandling sign that said, anything helps, a little cardboard sign and a loose cigarette. I quickly remembered what it was on my way to the home group. I saw a homeless man, and God put it on my heart to, to reach out to him. Uh, so I go to the home group. I got permission from the people who were hosting it, and a couple of the gentlemen that were there, Sam and uh, Pastor Nick, they came back with me. We went all the way back across town, picked up the guy, brought him to the home group. He got ministry. Uh, I believe God touched him. And the fact that Nick was willing to come was great because he actually knew the man. He was friends with his son. So why did I tell you guys that quickly? Um, it's because we as a church, we believe in evangelism. We believe in reaching the lost. We believe in getting uncomfortable and being inconvenienced. Yeah. Um, so this Saturday, we're going to do it once again. We're going to spend, can you imagine a whole day evangelizing this city? Yay. Amen, right? Amen. Okay, so we're going to be meeting here. If you guys are interested in reaching the lost, be here at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, and we're going we're gonna to go to the farmer's market. We're going to go to Gerard Park. We're going to go wherever the Lord leads us. We'll meet back here later on in the afternoon. We'll have some dinner for everybody. Then we're going to be going back out doing crosswalks and open-air evangelism downtown. Amen? So if you guys are interested in that, be here 10 a.m. this Saturday. And who's coming to that? So we have several people coming. We have some uh, friends of ours from Leesville, Jonathan Osteen. Some of you guys know him. I think he's going to have a team with him. We have uh, evangelist Brett Tessitore is going to be coming from Texas. We have some guys from Laplace that we've been praying with monthly that are coming. We have another guy named Rudy Waters from uh, Pensacola, Florida. He's coming in. So people are coming from other states to be part of this. So we don't have an excuse. If they're going to come from Texas right. and Florida to evangelize Lafayette, Louisiana, we have a responsibility to take part in that. Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Yes. I mean, God's moving. I said God's moving. And you know what? And sometimes you don't see it until later. But you have to know it. You have to look for the little things. And that lets you know that God is, is up to something. He's doing something. Amen. Well, I have a message this morning I want to share with you. And... Um, I've simply titled it Unintended Consequences. 
damages and benefits. Uh, I don't know if the last part really meant. I really had a different message, a title, but I told my wife what it was, and she looked at me, and, and, and I said, yeah, I know it's not PC, it's not correct. And, and if I, face, Facebook would shut me down right away. So I had to come, come I, I spent more time, I had the message written out, but I spent more time trying to come up with something that I could broadcast that wouldn't get shut down by the online police, you know. And uh, so anyway, um, let me preface this so that you have an idea where I'm going to go before I actually get into it. It's not going to be real long, but... Jesus called people to follow him, okay? They call, he called them to follow him. So they, there's a call to come and follow, all right? But those who answered that call found out later that there was a calling upon their lives. So the message today, I hope, is to differentiate or distinguish the difference between the call to follow Jesus and the call that each of us, when we follow Christ, he puts on our life. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so we're each, all of us are called, if you're a believer in Christ, we're called to follow him. Right, Jesus, they came to Jesus and said, Lord, we want to follow you. He said, foxes and holes have their dens, and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. And they said, we're going to come after you. We're going to follow you anyway. And then you hear the story. I've been listening for two weeks. I've been listening to the call of every one of the disciples and then the 70. He called them to follow him. But then as time went by, they found out that they each had a calling upon their life. A specific, something specific. And, and, and what I hope to show you is that it may be something specific and it may evolve over time as you follow him, okay? So that's why I call this unintended consequences. Um, it's, been, it's been said, wisely said, in fact, that there is nothing as tragic as premature success. Um, I can think of a dozen people in my life who came out of the gates for God like on fire. And people saw that they had charisma, personality, they had everything it seemed like. And, and they quickly put them in positions they should have never been put. In fact, the Bible says be careful that you don't put a novice in a place that requires maturity. And so premature success is, is, uh, is when someone who is ill-prepared for the rewards and responsibilities that success brings. How many of you, I mean, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or read about it. I just read the other day, again, a person who's won the lottery like five times and is broke. I'm talking about millions because they don't know how to handle the money. They don't know how to handle the fame. They, they, it was, I don't know that I would call winning the lottery success. That was, that's luck, you know, but, but, but they, they're broke because they, they were not prepared to handle what came with it, all right? And so it, it, it ends up 
uh, uh, ruining their lives. And, and that's where I got the title, Unintended Consequences. Um, that which is intended to be a blessing instead becomes a bitter curse. And that's where Proverbs 18 and 12 says humility goes before honor. Now, the first part we all know has, has to do with pride. But the last part talks about humility goes before honor. And, and the, the word honor means glory. It's the same word for glory that we read about the glory of God. Uh, humility is a word, Hebrew word, that means meekness and gentleness. So it means those who are meek or gentle, um, uh, it says that goes before glory and honor. Why? Because if a person is proud and filled with themselves, then they're not going to give God the glory. They're going to pull the glory down to him, themselves. And God says, I'm not going to share my glory with anyone. Okay? So, Please hear what I'm saying. We have to understand that each person has a call to follow Jesus Christ. Whether they accept it or not, that is their choice. Okay? When they choose to follow Jesus, they will find that God has created them with gifts and talents and a call, I call a call, to do specific things for God's purposes. I mean, when I came to Christ, I didn't understand any of this. I really didn't even understand born, being born again. Nobody even used those words to me for months after I came to the Lord. All I knew is that I, I called out to Christ, I gave him my life, and he came into my life. And I had to get in the Bible and find out exactly what had happened. I, that I was born again by the Spirit of God. So... I want to look at the life of Moses. In fact, you can look at one chapter in the book of Exodus, chapter 2, later on. And it covers the birth of Moses all the way through the calling of Moses. I mean, that's a summary right there, right? When, when your whole life can be basically from the time you were born to the time that God calls you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt is summarized in chapter 2. And... We look at Moses, we know that he was the man, man, God's man for the hour, okay? He was 80 years old, way past what we would consider retirement age, right? But it was then that God commissions him. He gets a specific call to free the Israelites from Egypt's bondage, Okay? Interesting, I never really thought about this before. Interesting that what is recorded is that it was at the age of 40 when he tries to deliver God's people and he tries to do it in his own strength and power. We'll read about that in a moment. And, um, but the prompting to, to be the deliverer of the Jewish people from the hands of tyranny in Egypt was already deep within him. It was already there. It, it wasn't something that he just said, I think I'll do this tomorrow. There was, he was seeing things. He was noting, noting things in his mind. And this is, this is how a lot of times a call will come on our life for something specific. I, I mean, I can be empathetic towards a lot of things. 
I remember years ago when I pastored in North Louisiana, and, and the big thing at that time was the marches for abortion, and in Monroe, West Monroe, they had a day where they would, churches, all the churches would gather together, and they would hold hands across the bridge that would cross from West Monroe to Monroe, and we had a lady in our church, this was her passion, and she would fire it up about it, and any time there was something going on about it, she was notifying the church, letting the people know the whole nine yards, and it finally came down one day where she, she confronted me. She said, you should be leading the charge on this. You should be the one that's out there. And I said, no, I should not. She said, why not? You're the pastor. I said, that's your call. That's not my calling. She didn't understand that. And I said, look, God has put this passion inside of you. God's put this burden on you. I can empathize with it and I can support it. But I'm not going to go out there leading the charge. In fact, at that time, there were pastors all over the state and other states. They were purposely going in front of abortion clinics and purposely getting arrested and thrown in jail. And she says, well, they're doing this down there. And I said, but I'm up here and I'm not doing that. And it wasn't that I didn't think it was wrong what was going on, but that wasn't my calling. I said, I'm called to pastor this church. Well, then there was somebody, he, he had a passion for something else. And he kept on me about that. And I told him the same thing. He said, why don't you lead the men in this way? I said, because God has obviously raised you up to do it. And my point is that we're, we all are called to follow the same Christ. But as time goes by, God will plant within you or bring out from within you, show you something that will grip your heart, grip your spirit, and it, it will start off with maybe just a glancing thought or an idea. But God will cultivate that, and it will begin to grow. So Moses was 40 years old when he tried to deliver. Um, he, he thought he'd do it by, God's, by his own hand. In fact, Acts chapter 7, verse 25 says that he, speaking of Moses, supposed that his brethren understood that God was giving them deliverance by his hand, but they did not understand. He, he just assumed that they would understand that God had tapped him to deliver them. And really what had happened was we know that there was an edict to kill all the the Hebrew uh, children, the boys, and, and, and we know his mother, they made a basket and put him in the basket and it floated down the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter found it and claimed him and he was raised in the house of Pharaoh. So he had influence throughout the land, okay? And, and, and so Moses in his mind is thinking, God has put me in the place that I'm in so that I can help my brethren Hebrews who are under the, the slave tyranny of Pharaoh himself. And he supposed that his, his brothers and sisters would understand that, but it says they did not understand at all. He was angered by the injustice, and the Bible says that Moses struck out prematurely by the hand of his own flesh. And instead of delivering God's people, all he managed to do was kill one 
Egyptian. He saw what was happening. He saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating on the... And finally he couldn't take it and he killed the man. He looked around. There was nobody there. He kills the man. He thinks nobody sees it. And so when you read Exodus 2 and you read his whole birth and everything, we find out later that after that event, he's killed the Egyptian taskmaster. He feels like he's delivered those, those Hebrews right there. And it, we don't know how long it was, maybe a day or two or three or four or whatever had gone by. And he sees two Hebrews, that slaves, and they're going after each other. And evidently, he had seen enough that he figured out which one was in the wrong. And he goes to him and says, why are the two of you fighting? You're brothers. Why are you fighting? And, and uh, the, the Bible says in verse 14 of chapter 2, look what it says. And one of the men, the one he accused who was in the wrong, it says he's, to the one that was in the wrong. So he saw enough that he judged which one was right or wrong. He goes, who, the guy responds, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. In other words, he looked, the Bible says he looked around, thought no one was looking, but obviously somebody had seen what he had done. And he goes, who made you prince and judge over us? You're going to kill me like you did the Egyptian guy? And then all of a sudden, Moses gets frightened. And, and Pharaoh finds out about it. And so Moses is, is getting out of Dodge, okay? I mean, he's running for his life, and he ends up in Midian, the land of Midian, is what the scripture says. And because he had this desire, and it wasn't that it was a wrong desire, it was the time was wrong. And the circumstances were wrong. And Moses wasn't ready for the job yet. Because of that, he became a refugee. He was wanted for murder. He became an exile in the land of Midian. He ultimately lost all that he had. And he spent 40 years on the backside of the desert wandering in the wilderness because of his sin. Okay, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You remember? He, he, he ran and he ends up keeping a, a flock of, of animals for another guy. And he's back there for 40 years. Some of you in here, you're not even 20 yet. <laughs> and 40 seems like an eternity. And some of us would like to know what we know now and be 40. You know, but I mean, really, 40 years, that's a generation. And he's on the backside. Why? Because of his sin. All right? And, and it never even dawned on me until yesterday that um, as a leader of the Hebrew people, he actually spends an additional 40 years in the wilderness because of the sin of the people that he's leading. And my point about that is simply that sin has a way of leading people into a wandering, scorched, and barren land. I don't care which side of the fence you're on. It just does. So he spends 40 years in the wilderness because of his sin, then God calls him with the burning bush experience, sends him back to Egypt 
with the miracles and everything else, leads the God's people out only to spend 40 years in the wilderness because the people sinned against God. Wow. There's something in there, but I don't have time to pull all that out. <laughs> but I want to make two points right here. And the first one is that in the story of Moses killing this Egyptian taskmaster, it's a metaphor or analogy or story or illustration, whatever, uh, about stepping out prematurely on the known will of God. Moses had this birth inside of him about delivering God's people. He saw the iniquity. He saw the, the injustice. He saw all of that, and he was moved to, to do something about it, but he did it prematurely. And when I look at that and realize it's, it's for something for us to learn, here's, here's what I extract from it, and that is to, to move prematurely on something that is the known will of God or that you have an, an inkling that God has a specific call for you or whatever is, is literally raising your hand to strike in order to try and force God to move his hand to deliver. Now, that may be a little deep for some of you. I'm not trying to be wise or whatever. It, it's, it's just, I feel this is important for us to understand because every one of us who has ever committed sin, we, we understand that we reap the consequences of it, right? All right, it may be, it may be small or it may be large. You know, God can forgive, but, but how many of you know that sometimes the fruit of our sin f follows us? Come on now. And so, and we can't change the past. I, I, you know, we may be forgiven and under God's grace, but our decisions have consequences. And so, um, and we learn a painful lesson, and that is that God cannot be manipulated. You could say, in the name of the Lord, this, and it doesn't mean God is going to move. We should not be using the name of the Lord unless God has spoken. Now, hear, hear what I'm saying here now, please. God has his timetable and schedule for your life. We all want to grow up fast in the Lord. And, and, and God can do a speedy work. He can do a quick work. But speedy and quick in God's timeline is not overnight. It just doesn't happen that way. He can put us on an accelerated track of growth. He can he begin to move us ahead. And, and, and uh, it seems like God's doing wonderful things. But God is not going to put you or me in a place prematurely. Because it will be the downfall in our lives. And ultimately disgrace his name. Okay. How many ministries have tried to fulfill God's spiritual promises by human endeavor and ended up failing? 
I remember many years ago where I was on staff at a church in South Louisiana, and we had this big-name international uh, evangelist come in. I won't mention his name because he's still around. And I heard him after the second service that morning, and I heard him on the phone talking to someone. Now, that's before cell phones and stuff, so he had to go to the office, and I needed to go in the office, didn't know he was in there, and I hear him telling this person on the phone, and he, he later told the pastor the same thing. He said, we have to create a crisis for our followers every four to five weeks, or the cash flow will stop coming. And I remember sitting there going, that's lying. That's falsehood. And, and I opened the door, and he saw me and quickly hung up the phone. He said, I, I just need to use the phone for a minute. And I went to the pastor afterwards and told him what I heard. He said, yeah, I heard the same thing by him. He told me that personally. I said, so back then you didn't have internet. You didn't have messages, text messages, anything like that. So they would send out newsletters. And so every three, four, five weeks, they would send out a newsletter with a crisis of ministry, this, and we need your donation now, and blah, 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 blah. And it, he said, otherwise, he said, the ministry would not stay afloat. And I remember telling my pastor in private, I said, then let it die. He said, things don't work that way. I said, they should. Because if this is a true ministry of the Lord, he is the source and he provides. We don't bring deception upon the people of God. Now as a young guy, I know it's told, when you get older, you'll understand. Well, I'm older and I still don't understand that because it's not true. It's just not. How many Christians have sensed the calling of God and assumed that calling means right now? I could tell you so many personal stories along that line, but I don't want to keep you here that long. But it is really hard to fathom how God uses such abysmal failures like us to work deliverance in the heart of would-be deliverers. I mean, I mean, aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Come on now. I said, aren't you glad for the mercy of God? He takes what the world categorizes as an ultimate failure, and he uses those failures and makes them building blocks in our life. If we're submissive to him and submissive to the Holy Spirit. So when we read about Moses, I, to me, it's ironic that God's purpose for Moses was not to strike down a single Egyptian. God's purpose for Moses was much higher and much more intense than Moses could have even imagined. Because Moses was destined to be the vehicle to strike down the idols of the land of Egypt, to the firstborn sons of the land of Egypt, the pride of Pharaoh, and the entire Egyptian army. Man strikes down and kills one Egyptian taskmaster. God, when it's his time, got the right person, can take all of Egypt down. 
His destiny was not to kill one lone Egyptian oppressor, but to slay the very heart of Egypt and deliver God's people from the tyranny of Pharaoh. And God offers this counsel to the impatient. And I have to tell you, I have lived in the stall of impatience for a long lot of years in my coming up in the Lord. Me and I be chomping at the bit. I'm like, let's get out of here. Let's How many of you have ever seen like a horse in a stall or whatever who's kicking and kicking and kicking, wanting to get out? But we know if you let him out, he'd probably wear himself out, run into somebody, harm somebody, do something wrong. I was just telling somebody this morning that my wife and I, the first two years we were married, we traveled on the road in ministry for an, a national organization. And everywhere I went, people were offering me jobs as a pastor. And we got married at 19. At 20, what do I know about pastoring? What do I know about anything about 21? And I knew, and I keep turning them down. And I had one pastor, he was the presbyter of an area in Indiana. He goes, this would be a good opportunity for a young man like you. Why are you turning it down? I said, because I'll kill someone. That's what I said. He looked at me, he said, what? I said, in my impatience and my bullheadedness, I'll hurt somebody. And I didn't mean physically. I didn't have the wisdom to pastor. I had enough wisdom to figure that out. To keep saying no. And, and uh, he'd say, man, that's, you're passing up a prime opportunity. I said, it's prime, but it's not for me. Because I'm not ready. I would have been like Moses at 40, taking things in my own hands and doing it. And, and you know, I see a lot of that happening today in churches all across America. Churches, can, I'm just going to let you in on a secret. Most churches do not want to talk to anybody for a pastor's position if they're over the age of 40. They want them younger. They want them because they think that it will attract a crowd. But can I tell you that in a lot of churches, they're looking for someone to pick up the pieces of what's been broken and left in shambles. And the person who's 35, 36, 37, for the most part, does not have the experience to do that. They've not been through that. But someone who's a little bit older, a little wiser, who's been around a few rodeos, how many of you know what I'm talking about? They, they know the do's and don'ts for something like that. But the church, in its mindset today, they don't want that. So they bring a young, younger person in. Listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not against young people. I'm just saying, and I, I've seen it, and I've, I've called it, and I said, you watch. They won't last a year. Because immediately they think the way to fix something is to tear everything down and rebuild it. And the problem is everything's in shambles already, and they don't realize it. And so the people push against that. I, I'm just, I'm, hear me, I, this is not a personal thing. I'm trying to bring out something here. That God offers this counsel to those who are impatient. In Habakkuk chapter 2, in verse 3, it says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. In other words, the vision is not false, is what it's saying. It says, If it seems slow, 
Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And, and that, that phrase at the end, it will not delay. First of all, it sounds like a contradiction because it sounds like there's a vision and it hasn't come and we're waiting and we're tired of waiting. And he says, don't get tired of waiting. He says, because it will not delay. Well, what does that mean? It means that it's going to come when God's time is right. And oftentimes God shows us things, imparts things to us, puts a seed or something in our hearts or our lives, and it has to have time to cultivate. It has to have time to incubate in our heart. God has to bring us through some processes that we can begin to put this whole thing together. Otherwise, if, if, if not, then what, what happens is like Moses, we sense the calling of God on our lives, but we'll strike out and do something prematurely, and all we end up doing is killing one Egyptian. And please, I'm not talking about killing Egyptians. I was going to title it called Killing Egyptians, but I figured that wouldn't go over real well. Yeah. Leviticus, chapter 11, verse 44. People goes Leviticus, oh my goodness, that's the law. Look what it says, though. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And my point is simply this, that the calling may be real, but the timing is not yet. Can you say that? Say that with me. The, the, the calling may be real, but the timing is not yet. And, and I just know I'm speaking to some people in here. So my thing is, okay, don't sit there and tell me the calling may be real, but the timing's not right. What do I do? In other words, what do I do in the meantime? I mean, Moses went 40 years on the backside of the desert. I don't know what God did with Moses. I believe that Moses, he died to the dream. He died to the vision of being a deliverer. He died and he eventually came to where he said, I'm going to be nothing but a, bear, a, watch, a watch person over this flock. That's where I'm at. And God says, now I can use you. Because you got your... Ego out of the way. You got your agendas out of the way. You got every, all those things out of the way. Now I can use you. And so he, he has a burning bush and he goes to see it and God speaks to him. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. He goes, holy ground, man, I've been on this ground 40 years. So what do you do? Let me give you three things. First one is seek the Lord with all your heart. When the calling is real, but the timing is not. Now, the purpose of seeking God with all our hearts is what? To know him. To know him. He already knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. But the purpose of seeking God with all your heart is to get to know him, all right? And to have a love and a passion for him. So what does that mean to seek God with all your heart? I'll give you three simple things. There may be more, but I'm just going to give you three simple things that, that I would apply to my own life. And the first one is seek God until he becomes your first love. Seek God until he's the one that is primary everything in your life. I mean, everything else comes off of him. 
When I was a teenager, I think I told this story some time back, but when I was a teenager, I had six younger siblings, and they were always breaking their bicycles. And I became the guy that would piece bicycles back together, repair the chains and broken spokes and everything you can imagine. And, and it, it seemed like I was constantly doing that. And one, one summer, I remember I was out there. I was, a, I was a new believer in the Lord. I was reading my Bible. And, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me through a bicycle. I was working on some spokes that my, my, uh, one of my siblings had broke. And, and I was putting new spokes in that I stole from another tire that was a you know, wheel that wasn't any good, but the spokes were good. So I was putting them in and I was tightening them up. And then I spun the wheel around the spark, spun it on that back axle like that. And the Holy Spirit said, that's the way your life should be. And my first thought was spinning. And he said, no, look at it again. He said, every spoke is connected to the outer part. He said, that's your life. He said, but it, they're all connected to the center and, and that axle right in the middle. And he said, I need to be the center of your life. And the spoke, those spokes are every part of your life. Your relationship with your siblings, your relationship with parents, your relationship with schoolmen, schoolmates, your work relationship, your, work, your relationship with everything, he said, has to come off, off of me. He said, it has to flow out of me. He said, you can't put me on the outside of the rim and spin it and hope that I'm going to have influence on everything else. He said, I have to be the center of it and then everything else will branch off of that and will flow out of you. You've got to change your life. And see, at that time, I was really, I was, I had started a golf uh, a team in my high school, private high school, and I was really good at golf. I was a scratch golfer, if you don't know what that means. Basically, I, I, I could play with the pros, and I won, I won tournaments. I won contests and things like that, and that's what I planned to do, man, because golfers make lots of money. Back then, compared to what they make now, I mean, they make lots of money. Like, I would, on Sunday morning, uh, Monday morning, brother Al, I'd open the newspaper and I'd look at the money payout, and the last place guy could make like twelve hundred bucks. Well, nowadays the last place guy will make forty or fifty thousand. You know, and 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 that's what I was going to do. And when God showed me that thing, He said, "You need to remove what's in the center of your life." Well, you know what was in the center of my life? My golf. And I said, Lord, uh, uh, that's how I'm going to go to college. I'm hoping to get a scholarship. He said, me or the golf? Which is it going to be? And I knew myself that I couldn't just make it part-time. I had to remove it. And I went and took my clubs and put them in the shed, and I hung them up. And then I had to tell my dad, who wasn't a follower of the Lord, that I'd quit playing golf. And I began, I took all the time. Now, that may not sound like big to you, but during the summer, I would leave before the crack of dawn and ride 11 and a half miles to the country club where my folks belong. I would open the gate, and I would help bring out the carts for all the members and stuff. I'd go out and play nine holes of golf before anybody even got there. 
Then I'd run the driving range, picking up all the golf balls, doing everything. And I didn't get paid a dime to do that because they let me play golf after that. And I'd play another 27, 36 holes. Then I would stay till close and shut the gate. And when the country club uh, pro would leave, I'd ride my bicycle 11, 12 miles back home again. And I did that every day. Because it consumed me. And I knew the only way Jesus was going to be the center was I had to remove that out of my life. Now, I'm not saying you have to remove things, but can I tell you, you might. Because he has to be your first love. And so you say, well, what did you do instead? I read my Bible. I consumed the word. I was so... It was like I, could, I, couldn't, I didn't want to go to bed at night because I wanted to read the word God was speaking to me in my life. I'm just saying, how do you seek God with all your heart? When God is first in your life. When he becomes your first love. He already loves us more than anything else that he's created. Okay? He just wants us to love him in the same way. The second way that we seek God with all our heart is when in our heart, God becomes our treasure. He becomes the treasure. He sees us in the very special. He sees us as, as, as a, a, a precious treasures. We, and, and we're more special and more valuable in the eyes of God than anything else he's created, than all the gold, silver, precious jewels. You are more precious to him. I think of the old song, uh, what was the guy that used to sing for Billy Graham, uh, uh, his crusade years ago? Yeah, but well, that was the song, but I'm trying to think of the man that used to sing. He had a big baritone voice. And he would say, huh? George Beverly Shea. And, and almost every um, Billy Graham crusade, he'd sing, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I mean, houses or land. He'd go on and on. I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than any kind of fame. I'd rather have Jesus. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. When he becomes the treasure of your heart. And the third thing is when your heart, in your heart, God becomes your passion. When, when, when he becomes your passion. Listen, God's passionate about you. He is passionate about you. He is passionate about having fellowship with you. But he wants us to be passionate about having time with him. In the same way. Look, when the calling is there, he, he wants us first to seek God with all his heart. But when the timing is not yet, the calling is there, but the timing is not yet. The second thing is, be faithful to do what is available. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord you are serving. Moses thought he was ready to deliver God's people. Why? Because he saw the infliction of injustice upon God's people. His reasoning was, 
I'm here. I'm here for a reason. God put me in Pharaoh's house for a reason. So I must do something. And there's an old adage that we've heard all our lives that says, don't just stand there, do something. Well, let, let me unfold that, unpack it just a little bit real quick. To do something based on our reasoning can lead to disaster. How many of you have ever done something for, that you thought was the right thing to do only to learn later it was the wrong thing to do? Okay, we've all been there. So to do something based on our reasoning can lead to disaster. To do something right but at the wrong time can also lead to trouble. What you did is not wrong. How you did it, maybe, or the attitude in which you did it, or when you did it, it brings trouble. But here's the flip side to that, because there's always a flip side. To do nothing and expecting someone else to do it is also wrong. I'm just going to pray about it. That is the biggest cop-out in the Christian church today. What are you going to do? Pray about it. Pray about it. Then what? Mm, I'll probably just pray some more. Might fast. But I'm going to pray about it. Here, listen to me. And I'm going to put this on the screen so you understand what I'm saying. Oftentimes, there is a difference between doing what we know we should do and that to which one feels called to do. Does that make sense? For example, we know we should read our Bible. We know that we should pray. We know that we should be ready to share the gospel, the good news with others. We know that we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We know that we're to use our gifts and talents given to us by God. We know that we should go to work. We know a dozen things every day that we need to do and that we don't have to pray about. We know to do those things has nothing to do with what the calling is on your life. We just have to do them. I could just tell you, you should know that at some point you ought to take a bath or brush your teeth, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, Lord, should I take a shower today? Oh, it's been four days. I don't know if it's your will or not, you know. Come on. The Bible, should I go to work? The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. It doesn't mean that you may not face unemployment at some time, but it, that you go, that you look for work, that you, you, you're ready to go to work. So I'm talking about when one senses a call on their life of God to do something specific, but the calling is there, but the time is not yet. There's certain things you should do. I felt a call in my life to preach the gospel when I was a teenager. I didn't think it would ever be in this capacity. And the first thing that I was pushed into doing, literally shoved through the door, was teaching a junior high Sunday school class. I'd never been to Sunday school. I'd been to catechism. That's where I was raised. And I was pushed in a room with five junior high kids, and my, the associate pastor held the door closed so I couldn't get out. And he looked at me in the window and waved by. And those five kids, I turned around and they looked at me like lions looking at somebody who had just thrown a T-bone steak in there going, fresh meat. And I had to think quick. 
You know, and I said, uh, what are y'all usually doing here? We don't listen. To what? The teacher. What's the teacher do? They got a book. Is that what the guy gave me? Yeah. I said, well, I don't know what's in it, so I throw it in the trash. I said, take your books and throw it in the trash. They all went in the trash. I said, get your desk, put them in a circle, let's talk. I didn't know these kids. They didn't know me. We had to start from scratch. I didn't have a call to teach a Sunday school class. But in nine months, we're running 70 to 80 kids in Sunday school. They came to me and said, what are you doing? I said, the best I can, man. I'm just trying to do the best I can. And I'm just saying, I didn't feel a call to do that. But the opportunity presented itself. So I did what the scripture said. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might and do it as unto the Lord. What would happen in the church if people quit being spectators and became participators? I've had people tell me, that's not my calling. Well, if you think you're going to start at your calling, guess what? It ain't so. I started in the fast food business. I started as a cook. Worked my way up in another company to division manager building restaurants. Okay? I didn't start off as a builder of restaurants. I didn't even know anything about the restaurant business. You find what God gives you, the door you open. Be faithful to that, what you have, and God will promote you. So when we seek after God, we have a call in our life, and the time's not right. We seek God with all our heart, and then we, whatever our hand finds to do, we do it. Whatever's available, we volunteer, we go after it. I've had people say, well, I'm just afraid I'm going to get stuck in doing this. Look, if you're just faithful in that, God will promote you. You don't have to bang yourself on the back and say, hey, pastor, do you notice I'm doing a really good job at what I'm doing? You're not doing it for me. You're not doing it for someone else. If you are, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it as unto God. I just said earlier that we live our life in such a way that it brings glory to God. That is our spiritual act of worship. So well, how do we do this? What's the third thing? Well, uh, Listen, the scripture says, let me go back on that. Just The scripture says this. The one who is faithful in very little things is also faithful in much. And that's where we need to, that's where we need to be. If God can't trust you with the little things, he's not going to trust you with greater things. And as you are faithful in those things, it is important to realize that God is using those things in your life, those moments, those availability times that you volunteer, that you give of your ability in that capacity, whatever. Those are training grounds for your future in, in the kingdom of God. And here's something that I think where somebody had taught me as a younger per, per, believer, and that is that as time goes by and God is preparing you Learn to be flexible. No. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, first of all, we must learn to follow Holy Spirit. We must learn to follow his direction. And he may impress a sense of purpose or calling on your heart where you are right now. 
But when the time comes to step out or to move forward, here's what you need to do. Understand is that what you've felt the calling to be, God may tweak it just a little bit. It may change a little bit. It may not look exactly the way you thought it was going to look. We'll say, well, why would it change? Simple, because God deals with us where we are at the moment. I remember when I was in Bible school, I heard a man named Del Story teach, an incredible teacher of the word, died in our minds at a premature age. Um, was flying a small aircraft up in Montana, somewhere like that, and somehow crashed into a side of a mountain, 40 years old, and had his future son-in-law on the plane. Both died. And just the week before that happened, I heard him say this. He said, thank God for time. He says, because time is God's way of keeping everything that's going to happen in your life from happening all at once. How many of you have had a week where it just seemed like you were getting steamrolled? Thank God for time. Because I'm telling you, if it had all come at one time, you probably wouldn't even be here this morning. When he plants a seed in our hearts, he does it in a manner that we can comprehend. If he, if he did it in the, in the way that the finality of it is going to be, we, we would say, that's impossible. There's no way. I, and I can't even see myself doing that. And instead of running to the call, we would run from the call. Okay? So if this is what he does. He puts a call in our lives, and he gives us an idea or a picture of what it would look like, but he's going to tweak it. He's going to fine-tune it. He's going, and by the time that door opens, it's going to look a little bit different. Okay? Seek the Lord with all your heart. Be faithful to the Lord. And the third thing is, when the time to fulfill his purposes, and I underline that, because it's not our purpose. It's his purpose. God is working together all things that, to bring glory to his name for his kingdom purposes, right? Not about our kingdom. It's about God's purposes, all right? When the time to fulfill his purposes is near, he will show you when and how. And I'm just going to make the statement, if you understand that this is not literal, but we don't bloody the sands or our hands with Egyptian blood. In other words, we don't, we don't rely on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own timing. We follow the leading of Holy Spirit. And I mentioned this, and I'm going to mention it again, that when that door opens, it may be, look different than the one you've been looking for. The opportunity may not be exactly what you thought it would be, but it's the one that God has for you. I have seen people who were so intent that they knew the purpose of God in their life that when an opportunity opened, they missed it. Because it didn't fit what they thought it should be. Now, an open door doesn't mean it's God. The enemy will open all kinds of doors if it'll get you off course. 
And then I heard a professor tell me one time, he says, and know this, that when you go through the door that God has meant for you, know that the devil's going to be on the other side to kick you when you go through. Because <laughs> just because you found the right path or the right door doesn't mean you won't have a battle. Doesn't mean that there won't be times of difficulties. But when you're walking in what God's called you in, you can be assured that God is there. So I, I made the statement and said, understand that it may look a little different, but God will open the door. He'll let you know that's the door, and he'll, he'll show you how to go through that door. And if we wait on the Lord and we seek him with all our heart, and if we do what God has made available to us, um, then, then th there are consequences that are bad and good. And I've talked about several negative ones, but there are good consequences. You say, well, what's the good consequence? What's the benefit? Well, if we avoid the mistake of prematurely stepping out before our, before, before our time, if I could put it that way, before God's time, all right? Um, how many of you have ever baked a cake and, and before you, you go to check and see if it's done? How many of you know what I'm talking about? What do you do? Take a toothpick or a cake probe or whatever, right? And you put it in and you just pull it out slow and what? If it's still got something sticking on there, it's not done yet, right? And sometimes, you know what I found? A door will open and, and the Holy Spirit's doing like this. And, and he's checking to see, are you ready? Are you ready? No, not quite yet. We've got a few lessons to learn. I, I know y'all laughing at me. You're thinking, Holy Spirit sticking me like that. Oh, he will. He'll, he'll test you. If you don't believe that, you hadn't read the book, a story about Abraham. In fact, it's about to come out in the movie theater. Some of you have seen that. It's called His Only Son. And it's the story about Abraham and how he's challenged to take his son up on Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. It's about to come out in public movie theaters. Oh, yeah. Don't tell me God's not working. God's working. I mean, really. See, God will test you to see if you're ready. And God did. And when, when Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, God said, Stop, Abraham! And God put a ram in the thicket bush. And God said, now I know that you'll do what I tell you. And it wasn't that God didn't know, because God knows everything. He says, now you know what I know, that you're ready. See, God wants to get you to the place where you're ready. Because when the enemy comes at you, you don't want to be standing there going, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. You want to be like David said, the lion went down, the bear went down, this giant's going down big time. The same God that delivered them to me will deliver this Philistine. I mean, he was ready. God knew that. See, the benefit of, of moving when God's time is right is this, and I'm going to close. When it, when it comes time for you to strike, Instead of just your puny fist having a small impact, the full authority of heaven will back you with the dunamis empowered blow against the enemy of God. 
False gods will fall. God will grant deliverance by your hand. The kingdom of God will advance. And God will get the glory, all the glory, if you wait for when God opens that door. Now I'm talking about the specific call on your life. I'm not saying wait for just that. Remember, whatever opportunity there is, whatever is available, do it as unto the Lord and do it with all your might. Be faithful in the little things and God will let you be faithful over much things. It simply means that when those times of battle come, you won't be in there fighting for your life. You'll be in there with an anointing of God upon your life that will crush the attack of the enemy and will be exponential because the timing is right and you are ready. God is raising up an army. And you're in the stages of being prepared for the greatest outpouring of God on earth. And he needs those who know how to hear his voice, who know how to follow his leading, who have been faithful and proven themselves in the small things, the little things, those insignificant, inconsequential things. They've been faithful in it. And as God says, I can trust them with that. And I'll close with this statement. Avoid the temptation for premature success. And God alone will receive the glory. God alone will receive the glory. Now, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this message has been for you. But if there's a person here today and you, you, you don't have a relationship with God, I want to tell you what I said earlier. He knows you better than you know yourself. He has more prepared for you that's good than you can ever imagine. He loves you. He is passionate about having a relationship with you. So much so that the Bible says he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. He lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. Was put in the tomb and three days later was raised from the dead. He sits on the right hand of the Father in heaven as our high priest and he's praying for you. And he's soon returning to planet earth. But he's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But you can have a relationship, a living relationship with the king of the universe. Can you, why would anyone not want that? You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You'd never be good enough to get it. Jesus paid the price already. All you have to do is receive what God's offering. He says you must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He died, was in the tomb, and been raised from the dead. And if you do that, He'll give you a new life. And He'll begin to transform your life. 
He'll begin to bring out the divine DNA that he established in you. The gifts and the talents and the abilities and everything that you are created to accomplish in God's kingdom. He will begin to work that in you. You can't get it any other way. It's like trying to open a safe without the combination. You sit there all day and do all the different things never get it. Is it left, right, right, left, right, right? There's no but Jesus unlocks that. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you're ready to do you want to have a relationship with Him a living relationship with Him just raise your hand. I'm not asking you to bow your head. Just raise your hand and say Pastor Bob pray for me. I want to have a relationship with God. Amen. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Thank you. Anyone else? I want us to pray together right now. The Bible says that we have to confess this with our mouth, what we believe in our hearts. And God makes us fresh and new. He restores. He makes us into that, a new life, a new creation, the Bible says. So if you raise your hand, or you should have, would you pray with me right now? Say, Dear God in heaven, I come to you this day and I acknowledge that I am a sinner and need a Savior. I believe that Jesus died for me. He paid the price for my sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sins come into my life I surrender everything to you from this day forward be Lord and Savior of my life Holy Spirit teach me about Jesus guide me into all truth concerning him I ask it this day Jesus name Amen and the Bible says in this very moment there is rejoicing in heaven therefore there should be rejoicing in the church today Hallelujah Hallelujah now I want to pray for those this morning that I've been speaking to you're in that that in between place God's still formulating and molding and making and, 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 and you know God has something for you you may have an idea what it is you may not but you sense it I'm telling you God has something specific for you and, and listen as you begin to walk in that it will change it will elevate it'll, it'll go from one thing to another to another to another but you have to start somewhere. And you're at that place where you're saying, God, use me. I want to be used. Lord, but oh, I'm having a hard time waiting. I, I, want, to, I want to step out now. I want, to, I want to do what I think you've called me to do now. Look, God will show you when the time is right. And he will open that door. It will almost be effortless. I'm telling you. But you're in that in-between place right now. And you know it. 
and you're struggling. We don't wait well. And if I'm speaking to you, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold if you're able to do it. Would you stand right now, right where you're at? I want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What an honor to see so many of you that this is, I have to be telling you, I woke up at two, three, four this morning going, Lord, I don't think this message, I know you gave it to me, but is this really for this morning? I knew, I, I knew it was, but I didn't know who it was. And even if you're not standing, it doesn't mean that it doesn't apply. But I felt there was this, like, this tension. Paul describes it in Romans. He said, the things I don't want to do are the things that I do. And the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. He said, what a wretched person I am. I mean, one day I wake up, feel like I could take on, you know, every devil in hell. And the next day I'm running for the hills going, oh God, where are you? I want to pray for you. Because my heart goes out to you right now. Father, you are doing a great work in each and every one in this place. But those who are standing, God, you have been speaking to them. And they, they sense a calling to something. They may even have a concept or an idea in the back of their mind or... Uh, and, and, and they don't, they're wondering how to get there. They're wondering how to get to that place. They're wondering when is it going to be? When, how, what's it going to look like? But God, I pray right now for each and every one of them that the peace of God come upon their lives. Let them know without a shadow of a doubt they are a child of the King. And the edicts of the King, His decrees, will not be canceled out by man. They will not be canceled out by some event that man decrees, Lord God. God, your word goes forth. The only thing that can stop us from fulfilling what you have for us is us. There's not a devil in hell that can stop us. If we surrender to your will, we are faithful to do what things we can find and we show ourselves faithful to you Lord God then you will open the doors you will prepare and when the time comes we will not strike with our small fist and accomplish some small task but the Bible says those who know their God will do great exploits great things for the kingdom some people here are closer than they can even imagine. Others, there's a little bit more of work of your spirit to be done, but it's not wasted time. God, I come against that, that thought in people's minds that says, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting it. The enemy would have us think you're being wasted. God, that's a lie out of the pit of hell. You don't do things in our life to waste time. You do it, Lord God, for your purpose. 
do it for your purpose. Now I pray when they walk out of here, they will be lift, uplifted and encouraged. God, that he who began a good work in them is faithful to complete it. For your glory and for your name, we say amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Surrendered again And freely I lay down Yes, Lord My everything Yes, Lord And this is my honor Give that I breathe, oh, and I will be a living sacrifice, oh, my heart and soul to glorify. I offer nothing less in all my life for Jesus Christ. I just want to bless you. Yes, Lord. Let our lives worship and bless you. Whatever it takes. Hallelujah. With my mind and my body. If you need special prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. Hallelujah. If you are the fire. Send me a place Oh, I will be a living sacrifice And all my heart and soul to glorify I offer nothing less than all my life For Jesus Christ Living sacrifice, oh, my heart and soul to glorify. I offer nothing less than all my life for Jesus Christ. Cause I'll give you all, give you all of my worship for fire for fire for come consume it I'll give you all give you all of my worship for fire for fire for I will be a living sacrifice and all my heart and soul to glorify I offer nothing less in all my life but Jesus
want to bless you Whatever it takes With my mind and my body Oh, my spirit and strength With you are a fire Oh, that set me ablaze I will be a living sacrifice And all my heart and soul to glorify I offer nothing less than all my life Jesus Christ Oh, Jesus Christ For oh, Jesus Christ For oh, Jesus Christ Cause I'll give you all Give you all Of my worship for Fire fall, fire fall Oh, I'll give you all, give you all of my worship Fall, fire fall, fire fall Come consume it I'll give you all, give you all of my worship Fall, fire fall, fire fall A living sacrifice Hold my heart and soul To glorify I offer nothing less Than all my life But Jesus Christ But Jesus Christ Jesus Christ Jesus Christ Jesus Christ He is the Christ He is the Christ
lover of your presence, all I want to be, a lover of your presence, lover of your presence, lover of your presence, all I want to be. Oh, 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 lover of your presence, all I want to be, I'm a lover of your presence, of your presence, of your presence, all I want to be, yeah, oh. me 